Welcome to the Edge Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week we are talking to former Pittsburgh Steeler Ryan Shazier. And if you don't know Ryan Shazier's story, you probably don't follow the NFL. He's the player who, in a fateful game several years back against the Cincinnati Bengals, lost his ability to move. Uh, he was paralyzed with a back injury. And he's come just about all the way back. So he has a book out about it called Walking Miracle. How faith, positive thinking, and passion for football brought me back from paralysis and helped me find purpose. He co-wrote the book with Larry Platt. He's a great writer. So I'm very excited to be talking to Ryan Shazier about this today. Also, I got Just Stand Up and Just Sit Down Awards. I got Jake's Takes. And I got a quick word from Kaepernick Watchland for the first time in a hot minute. But first, let's talk to the great Pittsburgh Steeler, Ryan Shazier. First and foremost, just to get it started, how are you doing? How's life? What's life like for Ryan Shazier right now? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, right now, it's just, uh, life is, is, is going well. Uh, uh, my health, I feel it's doing good. I'm, I'm constantly getting better. Uh, my family is continuing to do well. Um, uh, right now, uh, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so I've been a little bit busy with that, so that's kind of exciting. And then with the book tour and the foundation, it's been a really exciting time for me right now. What what goes into your decision to write a book? I mean, you, you've been in the public eye for a long time. Uh, you've had this miraculous uh, response to this horrific injury. What made you want to write a book about this experience? Um, so while I was going through the whole experience, I just understood what I was going through. And I'm sorry, it's a lot. And my and my. Uh, I was understanding what I was going through, but also what it was like to have a lot of adversity just growing up. So I thought it was important to show people what I was able to go through with the injury and how I overcame it and the mindset that I had dealing with it, but also the mindset I had my whole life dealing with it. And I thought it would be important to allow people to see that and try to help them move forward. But also it was kind of therapeutic for me to be able to tell the story myself as well. Yeah, I bet it was. Um, for our listeners who might not necessarily be football fans, because, you know, we've got a wide variety of listeners. Um, if it's okay, can you take us back to that fateful day against the Bengals and describe just what exactly happened? So, yeah, uh, on December 4th, it was a Monday night football game. We were playing the Cincinnati Bengals. And... I was actually not supposed to play that game, but uh, I didn't practice one day that week. But I wanted to make sure that I was able to still, still able to play because I, the years before, I had missed a few games, and I just wanted to make sure I can, you know, play the whole season out. So I ended up playing this game, and it was just a regular play. Um, I think his name was Josh Malone was doing a drag route. And it was an easy tackle to make. And on the process of making the tackle, I, I thought about, like, hey, how about I try to make the uh, routine tackle and the NFL is making some uh, rule implement, uh, implementing some new rules. And I was like, it'll be, it'll be good if I can be able to, you know, tackle the way they wanted to tackle. So I tried to practice that in that moment and 
get my head out of the way and tackle him with my shoulder. But he was running a little faster than I anticipated. And when I tried to get my head out of the way, I actually like 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 basically put like put my head forward and went into his hip and it mm. caused me to fracture my back and uh and I was I was paralyzed ever since. Wow. I mean, how badly did you think you'd been hurt at like the moment of impact or when you were on the field? Do, do you remember what was going through your head? Yeah. Uh, and the moment I got hurt, I, I knew it was, it was kind of a unfortunate situation, but I wasn't really thinking about, man, how bad this injury is or anything like that. I was thinking more about, all right, um, how can I be, the best version of myself for my family, for my wife, for my kids, because I just, I was more thinking about the dog that I just bought for my wife because <laughs> I literally bought her a dog the day before. So while I was laying down, I was like, man, I just bought a dog. Um, I already told myself, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to get through this, but who's going to pick up my dog in the morning? Because if, if I can't, who's going to be able to do it? And that was kind of my thinking going through it. And, uh, it kind of just lets you know what, what kind of person I am and what kind of mindset I have when it when it comes to certain things. Yeah, I love dogs too, no doubt. I, we got a rescue at the house. Um, what was the most difficult part of the recovery process? I think the most difficult part of the recovery process is pretty much what people go through on an everyday basis and the difficulty of just uh, uh, of dealing with repetitive motions, doing the same thing. Uh, you know, basically the definition of insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. And obviously it wasn't the same because I ended up, you know, getting different results. But sometimes I would do an exercise or a movement for a month, two months, a year straight without any movement. But then eventually what happened. So I would say some of the hardest things was just the repetitive movements trying to make sure my body can do things that it once was able to do before because imagine trying to imagine trying to do something and knowing that you can do it but you're not able to do it and and that's a very frustrating thing to know you're trying to do something but uh, but not able to do it now i can't imagine um you know, you say that faith and positive thinking played a big role in your recovery process. Can you speak a little bit about that? Uh, the reason I say faith is because my whole life I've, I've been a pretty pretty strong in my faith. Uh, my father's a pastor, and I've and mm. I've been uh, religious my whole life. But it, it has been times in my life where um, things were great, and I, I thank God, but then things will go bad. And you know, you ask God why or what's the reason for this? And I just continue to trust him. And I understood that he'll help me get through this situation and overcome this situation. So I just, so that's what, when it comes to faith, but just positivity, I'm just a very positive person. Every situation, I'm always trying to, to find the positive, the positive uh, side of it. I'm always trying to find the upside of it. Uh, like I, like I tell people all the time, um, it can be, uh, you know, a hurricane coming one day and I'm like, Michelle, everything gonna be all right tomorrow, you know, or, you know, it it could be, you know, we can get into a, a accident or something happens, you know, and, and most people think of, man, I can't believe this happened because of this happened, this is going to happen in, in a negative way, but I never see things 
for the negative side of things. I always look at the best case scenario and not the worst case scenario. So um, my whole life, I kind of been like that. And it's, it's almost, it's almost, uh, it's almost a bad thing because I, I think I'm always thinking on the on the the bright side of things. But I feel like that's helped me get to where I am in life now, just being positive and always believing that that I can achieve things that I want, uh, want that I want to achieve, but also that people didn't think I I can achieve before. You you also say your passion for football helped bring you back. And I think a lot of people listening to this will find that interesting. Is is there any part of you that wishes you'd never seen a football field? No, I I wouldn't say that because if I never played football, I don't think me and you would be on the phone right now. The the Mm -hmm. football has provided me so many opportunities, provided me opportunity to be on this interview with you. It provided me the opportunity to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Uh, it actually provided me the opportunity to, uh, um, I wouldn't say meet my wife, but uh, with with me and my wife, we're both from different places. And uh, I think it would have been a little bit more difficult for me to just engage in some of the places that I was at. And, and, spend some of the, and, and football allowed me to have some of the experiences that I had in life with my wife and my family. So I, I would never say that uh, I hate that, you know, play football. Because uh, it, it allowed me the opportunity, you know, to go to Ohio State, one of the best uh, colleges in the world. It allowed me to be a first-round draft pick. It allowed me to have financial stability that um, I once never thought I would have. So I understand it's there's there's always a brighter side, like I said, to every situation. I don't always I don't want to look at a negative and be like, oh man, just because I can't play anymore, you know, this game destroyed my life. This game also allowed me so many opportunities in life that some people dream of. Yeah, I think a lot of people can hear and respect that. But um, what do you say if if your own child, your own nephew, uh, someone you work with, a young person comes to you and says, I want to play football, Mr. Shazir. Do you think I should? What, what do you say to them? I tell them if it's something you love and you're really passionate about, uh, do it. You know, and then they... People, people always say, man, you can get hurt playing football. You can get hurt walking down the street, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I try to tell people uh, what happened to me is, you know, like a once-in-a-lifetime thing, uh, less than, you know, 1% of people, 1, 2% of people get hurt in in the way I got hurt playing football. Obviously, people get, you know, concussions or they might, you know, sprain their uh, ankle or tear something, but you know, somebody can be walking down the street and, you know, just slip off the curb and tear their ACL. You know, somebody can be walking down the stairs and and slip a step and get a spinal cord injury. You know, so to me, I, I try to tell people don't live in fear uh, because at the end of the day, if you continue to live in fear, you're going to miss all the opportunities that you, you may wish that you had. So that's one thing that I always try to continue to live by is just always live uh, my best life and, and try to enjoy it in that moment. And if somebody, if my son wants to play football, I'm going to support him 100% because I understand that this is not something that's common. And if somebody asks me about it, I would tell them the same thing. And uh, I would try to help them be the best player or the best person I can help them be when it comes to playing the game. Mm. Now, you know, I'm I'm uh, living in Baltimore Ravens country, just to be honest with you. Um okay. But <laughs> but I did want you to give the chance to speak about the Pittsburgh Steelers organization. 
and the degree to which, you know, they were there for you during this recovery process. Was that a part of what helped you get through? Uh, I definitely feel like their support definitely helped me get through it. Um, when somebody's going through a life-altering uh, challenge, I think it's always important to have a support network with you. And a family a family support network is amazing. But also having other people that's just not in your family support you and care for you, uh, I, I feel like that's that's amazing as well. And you need that. And the Steelers were that, were that they were that for me. And they were and they were still that for me when it comes to just supporting my journey, uh, believing in me as a person, and wanting to see my my family do well, my foundation do well, my businesses do well. So uh, to me, I, I think having a support system like that, having somebody that truly cares for you, that that's there for you, uh, and they've shown that when I was playing and when I was when I was hurt. So the one thing that I'm really thankful of, of this organization is that uh, no matter if I was the best player on the field at the time, and sometimes it was hard to be the best player when you have Ben, A.B., and Le'Veon on the field, you know, but mm-hmm. I think some days I was. I think some days I was. Um, or being somebody that had, or being somebody that was unable to walk and is a totally different person than, that you, than they imagined to be in their franchise. They were still the same people that they were at the beginning. So I'm just really thankful but to have an organization and a family like that uh, in my corner. Wow. Is there anybody else you want to shout out who just in life, who you feel like was there for you, who helped you get through this ordeal? Uh, I, I was just, you know, with my family and, and um, I just want to, you know, I, I know it's the Ravens country, but I know there were fans in, in the Ravens country that were probably praying for me and wishing, my, you know, wishing, wishing me the best health. So I just want to thank them, you know, for their support. Even if I never met them, I talked to them before. Just the the fact that somebody may have been praying for my well-being or just wishing the best for me and my family, I just want to thank them. Mm. And one last thing is, you know, we talk a lot in this show about music sometimes, and I wanted to know what's the music that gets Ryan Shazier going in the morning that keeps him going on your journey? Oh, man, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a, a crazy question because one day I could be listening to Drake and then the next day I can be listening to uh, something my wife wants to play. My wife is more of a pop person. So one day I can be listening to, you know, I already had a grind day. <laughs> so to be honest, I'm, I'm more of a guy that, that, you know, I jump around when it comes to music. I just I just like music. Um, and whatever I'm feeling in that day kind of gets me going. Like I said, I'm, I'm a person that kind of wakes up in a good mood no matter what. So I, I, I don't really have certain music that gets me going. But it's kind of what I'm feeling in that day, and if I'm feeling it that day, you know, I'm, then I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rocking it pretty hard. So, rock on. Well, yo, Brian Shazier, man, your courage in getting through this is something that's helped people beyond which I think you'll ever know. So, th- thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for being you, man, and keeping that that chin up. I appreciate that, man, so much. No problem at all. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed talking to you. And uh and uh I hope uh, I know I'm in Ra- I still I'm, I'm on uh you're in Braven's country, but uh I'm just really excited with uh, the way the Steelers are playing you guys. Hopefully we can play everybody else that way. But uh but uh, but good luck to the you know the Ravens the rest of the season as well.
Thank you. And there are more than a few Ryan Shazier fans in Ravens country. That I can tell you that for a fact. Thank you. We'll be back right after this, but first a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe. And please never forget that when you support The Nation magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now it's time for the Just Stand Up Award. Just stand up and just sit your ass down. The Just Stand Up Award this week goes to Formula One racer Lewis Hamilton. This past weekend, Lewis Hamilton competed for his eighth world championship in Formula One. That would have been a record. He did not win it. But it's an opportunity at least to give a super shout out to Lewis Hamilton. You might not know Lewis Hamilton. I don't think my listeners necessarily are into Formula One, which is one of the biggest sports in the world in certain parts of the world, not the United States. Uh, But the thing about Lewis Hamilton that you might not know is that he's the only black driver in Formula One. He has been subject to racist abuse throughout his career. And as a response to that, he's become one of the most socially conscious athletes on earth, including he just wore an LGBTQ rainbow helmet to race in Saudi Arabia, where the criminalization of LGBTQ life is infamous and legendary in and of itself. So in Lewis Hamilton, you have somebody who stands up for people who are being deliberately unheard, like the LGBTQ folks in Saudi Arabia, like people who deal with racism in the world of Formula One, like people who deal with racism at the hands of police. I mean, Lewis Hamilton has been an outspoken force, and he's one of the most famous athletes on earth, and he's made an insane amount of money because Formula One is crazy lucrative, but we just don't even register that in the United States at all. So I want to give a big shout out, though, to Lewis Hamilton uh, for not winning his record eighth world championship in Formula One, but still being somebody we should all strive to emulate. So just sit your ass down award this week. Sit your ass down. Sit your ass down. Goes to Ennis Cantor Freedom, a basketball player for the Boston Celtics. People have heard me talk about this a lot. Um, Ennis Cantor Freedom, he's become somebody who appears on Tucker Carlson. He uh, ha- has said his mo- that Jeremy Lin bears responsibility for Chinese labor practices. He's gone after LeBron James. He's gone after Michael Jordan. He said recently when people said, hey, some of your attacks on these folks comes off a little bit racist, like when he called LeBron uneducated. Uh, And his response was, well, the black players in the league want me to call out LeBron James and Michael Jordan. They've told me that. And that's just another very tone deaf thing to say. Now, I've had debates with people like my dear friend and radio co-host, Natan Thomas, about whether or not Ennis Cantor Freedom is, in my opinion, this is what it is, is taking a hard right wing turn as a way to sort of 
put himself out there to the Fox News audiences as the NBA athlete they can support, the new American athlete, the the NBA fandom can support, the Fox News audience can support, and the new white guy that NBA fandom and the Fox News audience can support. Atan has a more generous approach. He thinks Ennis is just, you know, getting led astray, that uh, lots getting lost in translation, that he just needs to hone his message because, of course, we all agree with some of what he's trying to do, namely call out authoritarianism and Nike labor practices in China. You know, all of that is very real. Uh, but the way he's doing it is not by trying to build a solidarity movement, Atan and I both agree, but he's trying to ally himself with some of the worst actors in global politics, people who want to see a new Cold War, if not a new hot war with China. Uh, we'll see what happens. I'm not feeling so good about where he's coming from or what he's doing. I do disagree with Atan about this. Um, but at the same time, I think the most important thing is for whether you think like I think, which is that this is a calculated push to becoming a right-wing basketball player, becoming that kind of archetype, or whether you're um, going from Atan's point of view, which is that he's just making some missteps on what is otherwise a, uh, a valuable contribution to the sports politics landscape. Whatever you think, I think we all have a vested interest in telling him to actually reassess and sit your ass down, because whether it's against Jeremy Lin, uh, which is just disgusting to call out the most famous Asian American basketball player on earth during a time of rampant anti-Asian violence in the United States, or whether it's attacks on LeBron James in a way that feels very dismissive and more than a little bit racist. For the record, I think Ennis Cantor is a grade-A right-wing Tucker Carlson supporting, authoritarian supporting, John Bolton supporting, Jared Kushner supporting, uh, Israeli state against the Palestinians supporting individual and you're not going to get liberation or freedom from the Uyghur for the Uyghur Muslims or for the people of Turkey with those kinds of politics all you're going to get is a new cold war if not a hot war it's time to tell Ennis Cantor freedom dude you got to sit your ass down sit your ass down Well, now it's the time for the show this week that we call Kaepernick Watch. There's always some good stuff to speak about with regards to what's happening with Colin Kaepernick, but not a lot of it recently has been necessarily political the way we talk about on this show. But this time, I want to really read a quote from Colin Kaepernick that's less about Colin and more about Simone Biles, who correctly was named by Time Magazine to be their Athlete of the Year and incorrectly denied by Sports Illustrated in the name of all people, Tom Brady, uh, who was their sports person of the year. And Simone Biles this past year accomplished a great deal. First of all, she did things on the gymnastic mat that, and, uh, and on the equipment that we've never seen before yet again. But she also stepped away from competing in the Tokyo Olympics, of course, when she felt like psychologically she just was not right. Now, during a time when psychological distress of people under the age of 25 is at an all-time high, um, I think we have to speak very, very highly of what uh, Simone Biles did and the courage that it took. And this is what Colin Kaepernick wrote about Simone Biles for Time Magazine. He wrote, Simone Biles has used her remarkable position as the world's greatest gymnast ever to 
to inspire a long overdue global conversation on mental health. Her influence extends far beyond the realm of sports and shows us that another world, a better world, is possible when we speak our truths with integrity and authenticity. Very well put. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey, everybody out there. This is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports podcast. People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it. But we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. We are back with the part of the show that everybody's talking about. It's when I speak to my son, Jacob Zirin, about his NFL picks. We call it Jake's Takes. Jake, how you doing, sir? I'm very good today. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, and I bet you're doing great based on your record last week. What was that record? That record was 10-4. and four. It puts me 121-71-1 on the year. My goodness. I mean, that takes Colin Cowherd's picks and makes them look like a big pile of crap. Um, okay, let's go to the picks we have for this week. Okay, Thursday night, Pittsburgh Steelers at Minnesota Vikings. Who do you got? Now, this one's really tough because the Minnesota, they, they have a much better offense and they they've really just they've been so close almost every single week, and they just lost to the Lions. I think this is going to be a bounce back win for them against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Give me the Vikings. Yes, a terrible Pittsburgh Steelers team as well. If you ask me, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Um, so now you've got the New Orleans Saints in New Jersey to play the Jets. Who do you got? I have the New York Jets in this game. Really? The reason why I have them is because the Saints look extremely dysfunctional. They're going to get Alvin Kamara back. I don't really care. Taysom Hill just threw four interceptions last week in in a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. And the Jets, they, they, they're, of course they're bad, but Zach Wilson hasn't looked like terrible these past couple, like two, one or two weeks. And I, I think they'll get the win at home in MetLife. And I think there's some bad hoodoo, as we say, around the Saints because they just released my man Kenny Stills, which is absolutely uncalled for. Okay, Atlanta Falcons at Carolina to play the Panthers. Who do you got? Cam Newton has always been a been a Falcons killer ever since he entered the NFL. It felt like he's just he's destroyed them every single year, and he's of course he's with the Panthers now, and they're at home, and they're I think they're gonna win this football game. Wow, even as dysfunctional as the Panthers have been, just firing uh, offensive coordinator, the highly regarded Joe Brady. Yeah, I think I think he definitely held them back. I think oh wow! He's, just, he's overrated. Like he, the potential's there. He's just all ends of mastermind. Like that, you don't. You're not impressed by that. No. All right, uh, your Seattle Seahawks traveling to Houston to play the <laughs> to play the Texans. I know the jerseys you have upstairs. They're gonna win this game. There's nothing really to talk about. You know, okay. they just got a really good win against the Forty ers Very good win. The Texans just lost thirty-one to zero. It's it is what it is. All right, Raiders travel to Kansas City to play the Chiefs. One of the oldest rivalries stretches back through the American Football League. 
Who do you got? Now, the Chiefs are probably, it's either them or the Patriots, who's the hottest team in football right now. Except it feels like the Raiders always get a win, or maybe even two, on the Chiefs every year. It feels like that. But this isn't going to be that game. This is going to be a good Chiefs win against a dysfunctional Raiders team, losing their head coach, losing their uh, potential star wide receiver. It's just, you can't, you can't beat a team this hot when you have all that happening. Okay, the Raiders got, have a little bit of heat on them too, though. You're not feeling that at all. Lost. Yeah, I know, but before that, they were frisky on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens against the Cleveland Browns. Moving on. Okay. Okay. All right. Chill out. Sorry. I still, I still need to take my. I know. I still need to stay my, say my take. Say my take. I still need to say my take. Say your take. This is this is gonna be a Browns win at home. I think this is gonna be a real shootout. Probably in the thirties. Last game wasn't really that at all, but I think Lamar Lamar should pick it up this week. This is against a Browns team, who, you know, coming off a bye, coming off losing to the Ravens, so they should really be ready for us at home. They're gonna get this win in a close one. Oof. Dallas Cowboys against the Washington football team in Washington. Talk about one of the hottest teams in the NFL. You have to talk about Washington. Yeah, definitely. This is going to be a really good game. I think this is going to be a day where Antonio Gibson has his best day of the year. I love hearing that. I mean, last year, do you remember last year where he just obliterated the Cowboys? Of course, they got better, but he had like three touchdowns and over 200 scrimmage yards. But Look, I don't. I don't think they're gonna win this game at home. It's an in division matchup. Really, you're taking the Cowboys uh, yeah, here. I'm taking the Cowboys. Wow. The Cowboys. They. They're a good team. You know, they have one of the best offenses in the NFL when healthy. I don't know if you know. Um, uh, Tony Pollard actually tore something in his foot. Mm. Except he's a game time decision. That would be Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Pollard, not to be confused with the singer Tony Rich from the '90s group, the Tony Rich Project. Like, everybody got that confused. All right. Um, the Jets. <laughs> Jet- I so disagree with you about that Cowboys game. Okay. Um, the- we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the Jaguars travel to Tennessee to tighten up and play the Titans. Who do you got? It's going to be a Titans win. Psych. Wait, 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 wait. Really? You're wait, taking wait, the Jags? Wait, 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 wait. Did the Jags beat them earlier in the year? Uh man, I don't know. Texans. This is live podcasting. The Jets did. The Jets did. Okay. The Jets did. This is um. I think AJ Brown might be back. AJ Brown could be back. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Now the Titans destroyed the Jaguars earlier this year, thirty-seven and nineteen. Jaguars are going to win this game. I don't know if you know. Yeah, I don't know. Jaguars are going to win this game. Yeah, I don't know. Titans always lose to bad teams. There's nothing really to say. They're going to get this win. I just have a weird feeling. In Tennessee. In Tennessee, yeah. Titans suck. Oh, sweet sassy molassie. Um, The Detroit Lions, coming off their first win of the year, travel to Denver to play against your cousin's second favorite team, the Denver Broncos. Who do you like? Now, I, I, I really wanted to pick the Lions' first win. Like, predicted it for the week. I didn't end up getting to do that. It's sad. Uh, the Broncos are going to win this football game. Bridgewater has looked... Ooh, Bridgewater hasn't looked great. They might start Drew Locke. You never know. Oh, I would like if they started Drew Locke. I wouldn't. Potential, but. I, 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 
Drew Locke, please. Drew Locke's one of those people that if his name was like uh, Joey Jojo Jr. Shabadoo, no one would think he had a chance to be a quarterback. But because his name is Drew Locke, everybody thinks he's got something going on. Maybe it's because the, the name you said isn't really a real name. That's obnoxious. All right. The Giants travel to San Diego. Yeah, I said it. To play the Los Angeles Chargers. Who do you like? If I were you, I was about to say San Diego, too. Like, I was ready for you to say San Diego. Nice. But um, they're they're, going to win the game, you know. Who? Uh, The Chargers. The Chargers, because they're... Giants just look terrible. Yeah, I know. The Giants look god-awful. None of their wide receivers have... You know, they they have the least wide receiver touchdowns in the NFL with four this season? Hmm. Four. That's terrible. Their offenses just look really dysfunctional. Mm, I think it's fewest, not least, if we're going to use the proper language. Okay. I don't know what that means. All right. Okay. okay. <laughs> 49ers going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. This is an interesting this is a one. This game. I like this game. Me too. And I also like the, the Bengals in this game. The, uh, the 49ers coming off a bad loss against the... The Bengals the, coming off a of bad loss. They lost terribly to the oh, Chargers. Oh, yeah, to the Chargers, yeah. Chargers yeah. dropped a 40 bomb yeah, on them so they're, they're gonna in get a Cincinnati. They're going to get a bounce back win in Cincinnati, definitely. All right, you like the Bungles? I, yeah, I like the Bungles. Wow. All right, a game that at the beginning of the year, everybody said was a Super Bowl preview, but now one of these teams is in a little bit of disarray. Both of them are, really. You think, really? The Buffalo Bills traveling to Tampa to play the Buccaneers. You think the Bucks are in disarray? Kind of. They're, they're, they're not really what they were expected to be. The Bills are going to win the game on the road. I think there's going to be one of those Josh Allen days where he really just goes off. On really? Kind of average Buccaneers de- – sorry, not defense. Average Buccaneers secondary. Okay. We'll see what happens. To me, I feel like you have a routine where every week you pick the Bills and every week they disappoint you. Can I – um? Sorry, I need to go back a little bit because I actually didn't say my lock of the week. My lock of the week is gonna be um, my lock of the week is gonna be Chiefs over Raiders. That's my lock of the week. That's a good lock. Even though I do, I disagree with that. Yes, I do disagree with that. I like the Raiders pulling the upset. Um, this will be my lock of the week right here if I didn't pick the yeah Bears Packers in Green Bay. Who do you like? It's such an easy Packers win. It, like you said in weeks past. He owns them. Ouch. He really does. I mean. Man, he could stand to own some COVID vaccines. Uh, The Rams travel to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Now, that's a good Monday night game. I'm excited about that. The Rams are going to win that game, too. Really? I think think that's going to be their first, like, really good win. I mean, they did beat the Buccaneers in weeks past, but this is going to be a win that shows them that they are... That they aren't just fooling around with all that talent, you know? Like, they're 8-4. and four. They've lost a couple bad games. They just got a really good win against the Jaguars. They took care of business against the Jaguars. If the Rams were the Ravens, they probably would have beaten the Jaguars like 10-7 to seven or 35-31. to 31. It would probably be like 9-6 to six, like the Bills game was. Oh, oh you mean we'd lose? Yeah. Dude, yeah, we're, we're in a bit of a Ravens funk in this house. I'd rather watch the California Raisins than the Baltimore Ravens right now. Do you even get that joke? He doesn't. 
Thank you for shaking your head as if we're not on a podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> uh, that, that's all of them, right? That's it, my man. That's it. Thank you. All right. No, thank you. For everybody out there listening, we'll be back. Before we go, I just want to uh, give a heartfelt goodbye to one of the great writers of any generation and somebody who influenced me tremendously, who passed away unexpectedly. I'm talking about the great Greg Tate, uh, longtime uh, cultural critic for The Village Voice, the person who really popularized the phrase hip-hop nation. Might have even been the first person to say hip-hop nation. Uh, Someone who understood hip-hop before anybody, but he also understood David Bowie and Prince better than anybody. So Greg Tate was very special on so many different fronts and certainly not just about music, although he was one of the original uh, writers for Vibe, but he just wrote an amazing piece for the nation just a few weeks back about Afro-pessimism and the politics of Afro-pessimism. So people should try to check that out. And Greg Tate wrote what I think is one of the most indispensable books of the last quarter century. It's called Flyboy and the Buttermilk, a book of his criticisms. I mean, Greg Tate was special. He was absolutely special, and I'm feeling his loss every day. Also incredibly generous to young writers. So I'm just saying rest in power to Greg Tate, and if you have the chance, get Flyboy and the Buttermilk, and then you'll thank me later. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you so much to Ryan Shazier for making the time. Thank you for your book with Larry Platt, A Walking Miracle, How Faith, Positive Thinking, and Passion for Football Brought Me Back from Paralysis and Helped Me Find Purpose. Thank you to the producer of this podcast, David Tigubu. Thank you for everybody out there who supports the show. Sorry we missed some time recently. Things have been beyond hectic, but I appreciate all the notes. Thank you, Jake, for your Jake's Takes. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace.